Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! You know, I was very fortunate in 94. I went to Lambeau to see the Jets and the Packers. Took the team plane. Steve Cohen organized it. Took the team plane. Pete Carroll was then the Jets head coach. The one year Pete was here, I think they went, you know, they probably went uh, in those days. They uh, they may have gone eight and eight or seven. They had a bad finish to the season. So they were, I think they were six and five and lost five straight. So they may have gone six and ten. Anyway, to make a long story short, went to Lambeau. Jets played them. That was uh, with um, the receiver. I forget, uh, you know, Boomer was the quarterback, Esiason. Uh, who was the receiver's name uh, from Syracuse? Moore. What was his first name? I'll think of it in a second. Uh, good receiver. Uh, anyway, the Jets went to Green Bay to play the Packers. It was Favre's team, Lambeau. It was the first time I had been to Green Bay. I had been, fortunately, two or three times since. But the first time then was 94. Stayed in the hotel, the whole nine yards, Jet team plane, left right after the game. It was a nice, easy trip. And the good thing about this is before they rebuilt uh, Rob Moore, that's right, out of Syracuse. Uh, and the good thing about the trip was that, you know, this is the old Lambo before they had refurbished it. And I was uh, in there. That game was probably a four o'clock game. It was early November. I think it was a four o'clock game. Jets lost. And after the game, or during the game, I sat in the press box. And believe it or not, I had the good fortune to sit, sit next to Ray Scott the longtime play-by-play voice of who lived in Minneapolis, who flew to Green Bay to do the Packer games. He no longer at that time was doing them, of course. Worked CBS in the 60s, did the Twins in the 60s when they got to the World Series against the Dodgers. He's the great legendary Ray Scott. I mean, it's one of the great Hall of Fame broadcasters that we've had and this country's produced. He was a wonderful broadcaster. Anyway, make a long story short, I sat with him in a game. You know, I don't... I. Four years into Mike and a Mad Dog, so it's not like he, you know, I listen to all the time stuff. I didn't get that, you know, I'm a little talk show host in New York. So I sat next to him and we talked, of course, my favorite Lombardi. This is long before the Marinus book on Lombardi came out, so I wasn't a Lombardi groupie at this stage, but I was smart enough to realize that, you know, uh, that uh, Lambo was not named after Vince, but was built because of Vince uh, when they started, uh, rebuilt because of Vince in the early 60s, used to be, of course, of course, named City Stadium. Anyway, I spoke to um, Scott, talked about the old days with the Packers and, you know, how he traveled to and from the games and everything else. And the one thing that he told me was a very interesting conversation. And believe it or not, John Harbaugh was not involved here and was not there. Maybe he should have been. Dinner, Christmas, they had a big Christmas dinner with the team in Philly after Lombardi in 1960 lost the NFL championship game to the Eagles 1713. Okay? That was obviously six years before the Super Bowl. Lombardi's second year in Green Bay. And Green Bay played the Eagles in, that was Norm Van Brocklin's Eagle team. That was the last Eagles championship before the one I just got with Foles. But and Doug Peterson, who got a huge ovation yesterday, by the way, showing up. Anyway, they had dinner after they lost 17-13. Horning, Jim Taylor, Star, that crew. Before they won a title, they had dinner in a Philadelphia restaurant because that game was played at Franklin Field the day after Christmas. So I guess they had a big Packer, you know, farewell dinner to end the season, December 26th. Think about when the season ended, too, on December 26th. Well, at the dinner, the only playoff game Lombardi ever lost, he sat next to Ray Scott. And 
he said during the course of it, he said, Ray, you know, this game's on me. Well, in those words. Not a different kind of phrase, but you get the idea. I was the reason we lost. And Scott's sitting there and he says, well, what you, Vince, what are you talking about? Why did you lose it? It's ridiculous. Well, we got down there late in the game, right? Yeah, of course you did, Vince. You had a chance. A horning of uh, Taylor got tackled by Chuck Bignorick on the 13-yard line last play of the game. Why he started and threw the ball in the end zone on the last play of the game, I have no idea, but he didn't. And Jim Taylor got tackled by Bednarik and who laid on Taylor before as the clock wound out and the Packers ended up losing. Eagles won the title. He says, well, if I didn't do something in the first quarter, we could have handled the game-ending drive differently. So Ray says to Vince, okay, what do you mean? Well, in the first quarter, if you remember, Ray, we got down there right away, first drive of the game, or early, early first quarter, and we had a fourth and short, and I did not take the points. I ran the ball to Taylor, he got stopped, we didn't score. Never again am I going to go down. First off, what Lombardi told the team after the game was never again we're going to be 13 yards short. And then he told Ray Scott at the dinner, a couple of cocktails, Vince liked a few of those. At the dinner he said, never again am I doing that. When you're down there, take the points. Packers ended up losing 17-13 and Vince went on to win nine straight playoff games and uh, two Super Bowls and three championships in a row, which has never been done. Following that loss to Philadelphia. I bring that up now because yesterday, and Harbaugh's explanation is mind-bogglingly stupid. Yesterday, the Ravens were in the same scenario. And this was not a championship game on the road. This was sloppy weather at home. Four minutes left, not first quarter. And I understand the game has changed some with the analytical revolution in all sports, so I understand that. But the fact that Harbaugh sat up on the dais trying to explain to the football world why he's right and you're wrong, and he's very defensive. He's like his brother. You can't argue with him. He's the coach. You're not. He knows more about football than you do. He's quirky. He's a lot like his brother. Not as quirky as Jim, but he's one of those guys that does not like to be. He would never make it in a big city because he doesn't like to be questioned. You know, he, he It's his way or the highway, and how dare you, little media guy, ask me about my decision-making in big situations. How dare you do that? That's my impression of Harbaugh from afar, uh, that he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't like to um, play nice with the folks who might want to ask him a tough question or two after a bad loss. And yesterday, if you heard him, he got defensive regarding the decision to opt for, uh, not opt for the field goal with four minutes to go in a game tied with Buffalo at 20-20, a game in which the Bills, down by 17 early on in the second quarter, had all the momentum in the world, and his quarterback was not playing well. And so his quarterback is not playing well. It's sloppy conditions. It's rained the whole way through. They have scored 17 unanswered points against you. You're at the one or two-yard line with 4.05 to go, and you decide to have Lamar Jackson, who is not one of those guys. He wants to run the ball in the end zone, not throw the ball in the end zone. And you can't run in. For, no way they're going to let you run in. So as a result, he runs back. He takes the snap. He gets rushed. He 
runs back to about the 15, 18-yard line and plays heave-ho, terrible pass, picked off in the back right corner of the end zone. Buffalo, instead of starting at the 2, starts at the 20, right down the field easy. They take a knee at the 1-yard line. Bass makes the field goal 23-20 Bills, one of the worst losses you're ever going to see. And Harbaugh tries to explain to the world who's paying attention, and again, he wasn't at the Scott post-Christmas lost dinner uh, in Philadelphia with Lombardi, who would have sat there and said, what are you doing, son, you idiot? Take the three. And instead, I got to listen to Harbaugh tell me yesterday about analytics. Well, you know what? Analytics tell you that, you know, uh, you, if, if you score there the touchdown, you can't lose unless it's an overtime. He forgot to tell you that Buffalo could go for two. He forgot to tell you that, that that's not guaranteed overtime in this day and age because a lot of coaches go for the two points, like the Giants did against Tennessee. So it doesn't guarantee you, doesn't guarantee you an overtime because you don't know what Buffalo's going to do if they score a touchdown. You're not going to go for two, but they could. So that's number one. Number two, well, if we don't score, we leave him at the two-yard line. Well, all right, leave him at the two-yard line. But how about if he has an intentional grounding? How about if he fumbles? How about if they have an interception and run it back to midfield? I mean, there's no guarantee that that is going to be, you know, Buffalo ball to two if you don't score because things happen in games. You could have, um, you know, an offensive pass interference. You could have, a, but especially the intentional grounding is you lose the down. There's a million things you could have. That's number two. And then number three tells us, well, I have confidence in my defense if I leave him at the two, but I don't have confidence in my defense without telling us if I kick off with a three-point lead. Well, how does that work, Jim? Uh, or John. I mean, so in other words, then you feel good about your defense who stinks anyway, but I'll feel good about him at the two. But if I got a kick off and I start the 25 with a three-point lead, I don't feel good about him? That doesn't make any sense. On a slippery day with terrible conditions with a quarterback that's not a, that, that's a dangerous situation for Jackson who on third down instead of throwing him on the end zone did a Aaron Rodgers situation think about the Tampa game a couple of years ago and try to run the ball in the end zone for the nine yard line and he got stopped at the four which was it made no sense throw the ball in the end zone son you're not going to run it in up the middle then uh, it's not they're not going to allow that in that situation but Harbaugh. For whatever the reason, used analytics as his explanation of why he felt that seven was better than three there with 405 to go at 2020. Four downs, two yard line. They can easily score a field goal. Who knows about if I get the touchdown, it's a lot harder for them. For whatever the reason. And he brought up the four down scenario. You know what? Give him four downs. It's a slippery football. It's wet. The field's terrible. Maybe your defense makes a play. Maybe they have a holding penalty. Maybe they have a bad snap on a game-tying field goal opportunity. Whatever it might be, you cannot, under any circumstances, play that game of analytical management with four minutes to go at 2020. You want to do that in the first quarter? And these are why you know, the little kids with the shrimp bike with the computers running into the coach's office saying, hey, look what I found and showing his showing the coaches or managers in baseball's case data, which indicates certain, you know, the sort of data that Kevin Cash looked at when Blake Snell was taken out in the bottom of the sixth inning of game six against the Dodgers when he was pitching a no hitter, that kind of non- or a perfect game, that kind of nonsense. When he walked bets to lead off the inning and he out, he came that kind of nonsense. So, uh, and uh, analysis and analytical data is fine 
in certain situations. In other scenarios where it takes the place of common sense, it is absolutely absurd. How Harbaugh in that situation, and then gets defensive about it with the media because he don't want to answer the questions. He gets defensive. He's got that voice. He gets defensive. And God forbid you ask, John, really? That, that makes sense. On a lousy field with a wet football, you got a big kicker. You know he's going to make it. You had three chances to score. You did not. Kick the field goal there. And if you play overtime, you play overtime. See, what he didn't tell you in that situation is if you have a field goal lead and Buffalo gets in field goal range, they are not going to get rough and try to get too fancy. They're going to settle for the overtime. That's what he doesn't tell you there. Because once, if you have a three-point lead, Buffalo marches down the field, inevitably they'll have a chance to, and get the ball in field goal range, they're going to settle, quote-unquote, for the field goal. They can't settle for anything if they need a touchdown. They will settle for the field goal. And settling is what you want them to do in that situation. So in, in a lot of ways, the field goal does a better job of guaranteeing you overtime than a touchdown does. Because you never know, they might go for two to win the game. A lot of teams don't like to play those extra minutes. They don't want to hurt their players. They get the game over with. Especially if they have a short week or whatever the case might be. But Harbaugh was not at that dinner because if he was, Lombardi would have said, son, son. All right? I know it's a different era. Son, it's the fourth quarter. It's a big game. You, you haven't done anything for a long period of time. The quarterback is not great in these spots. Do yourself a favor. Kick the field goal. Take your chances. Ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Somebody drops one. He overthrows a wide-open receiver. You get a penalty. Who knows? They missed the field goal. Get the three points. He did. That bothered me at 4.30. Imagine my feeling at 7.15... Because the fat guy in Rapid made a play. The play was Ravens on the money line parlayed with Arizona. That is a bad one. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.